MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, November 25th, 2021. Today, the jury finds all three men guilty in the murder of Ahmad Arbery. The appeals court asks Trump to prove the court even has jurisdiction over the National Archives case. Prosecutors in Manhattan tell Calamari he's not being charged at this time. A man who played Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar is charged in the insurrection. And unemployment claims last week fell to a half-century low. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our Beans listeners. I hope you are having a fabulous morning, a fabulous day, and just spending it with friends and family. Same Z's. And uh, again, however you choose to celebrate this holiday with your friends, chosen family, or your family family, I'm just, I'm very thankful that we all have time to take a couple of days to be with people. But since we, none of us had vaccines last year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's good. And then a little bit later in the show, I want to let you know, we're going to be talking to the congressional reporter from The Guardian, our friend Hugo Lowell. We're going to talk about the Carrick subpoena from the 1-6 committee and a, an update on the insurrection investigation. So that's going to happen a little bit later. And it is like a Friday news dump today because of the holiday tomorrow. We have a lot to cover. Totally. There is a lot. There's some uh, good news, some bad news. Well, I wouldn't call it bad news. There's some good news and interesting news. <laughs> interesting news. <laughs> very good. Very good. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. From MSNBC, three white men were found guilty Wednesday of felony murder in the shooting death of Ahmaud Arbery, a black man who was jogging in the neighborhood when they confronted him last year. The nearly all white jury convicted Travis McMichael of malice murder, felony murder, aggravated assault, false imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit a felony, among other things. His father, Gregory McMichael, and the neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, were acquitted of the top charge but found guilty on most of the other ones. All of them now face up to life in prison. Quote, even though this is not a celebration, it is a reflection to acknowledge that the spirit of Ahmad defeated the lynch mob. That's civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump, who is representing Arbery's father, Marcus Arbery. And that's what he said outside the courthouse Wednesday afternoon. Wanda Cooper Jones, who is Arbery's mother, said that her son will now rest in peace. Mm. It's been a long fight, she says. It's been a, a hard fight. I never saw this day back in 2020. I never thought this day would come, but God is good, she said. The McMichaels and Brian chased Arbery in pickup trucks after they spotted him in their neighborhood outside Brunswick, Georgia on February 23rd, 2020. Travis McMichael shot Arbery, 25, who was black, with a shotgun at very close range. Brian filmed the fatal encounter on his cell phone. The three men were arrested months later after a leaked video brought the world's attention to the case. It wasn't going to go to trial. And the DA, by the way, in that case, who, who sort of covered it up, she's been indicted as well. Good. Arbery's family and civil rights leaders have likened his death to a modern day lynching. The men also face federal hate crime charges. Arbery's father was removed from the courtroom as the verdict was being read after he audibly celebrated the announcement that Travis McMichael was guilty of malice murder. He could not contain it any further. Quote, think about how long he and Wanda have been enduring all the innuendo, all the allegations. All the character assassinations. That's what Crump said when speaking outside the courthouse after the verdict. Just imagine all they went through. 
The jury deliberated for only about 11 hours before reaching its decision. Each man faced a total of nine counts, one count of malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, and one count each of false imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit a felony. Travis McMichael was convicted on all counts. His father, Gregory McMichael, was found guilty on all charges except the most serious, malice murder. Brian was also acquitted of malice murder. He was convicted on three of the four counts of felony murder, one of the two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. Walmsley had instructed the jurors, that's the judge, that they could consider simple assault, reckless conduct, and reckless driving as lesser charges to aggravated assault for Brian. But they went for the, they went for the big guns. And after an hour into the second day of deliberations, Wednesday, the jurors asked to view footage of the fatal encounter again and hear a 911 call that Gregory McMichael made the day of the shooting. The jury viewed the two videos, one the original cell phone video and the other a high contrast version of the same video three times each while seated in the courtroom. They then returned to the jury room. I mean, my God, uh, I'm so glad, especially as the holidays coming and we heard the words, I should say, we read the words of the family themselves. It doesn't bring them back, but it does bring some peace as they go into this holiday season of gratitude. And so I'm so happy the pendulum swung back where it was a few days ago. So, yeah. We're going to go to New York. Manhattan prosecutors have informed top Trump organization executive Matthew Calamari that they do not intend to charge him for now with any crimes as part of their wide ranging investigation into the former president's company. That's according to people familiar with the investigation. Now, prosecutors with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office had been investigating Calamari. And as we know, he's the chief operating officer of the Trump organization for off-books compensation that he received as a top executive. Now, that's including a company-funded apartment and car, and whether he paid taxes on those benefits. So informing Calamari that he will not be charged, at least for now, and please hear that part, suggests a different tactic than prosecutors trying to, quote, flip him to gain cooperation. The decision not to pursue charges against Calamari at this time comes as prosecutors have sharpened their focus on the Trump organization and how it valued certain assets. That's including office towers, golf courses, and whether it inflated those values to obtain loans or receive tax benefits while lowering those values for tax payment purposes. Again, we covered this a bit yesterday. Calamari, like Weisselberg, has been with the Trump Organization for several decades. He's fiercely loyal to Trump. It's possible, you know, that the prosecutors concluded Calamari would not agree to cooperate and that he did not have enough value to give them the pressure him into criminal charges. I mean, it's possible they just don't think he's got enough to use him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that might be the case. We just don't know at this point, but they aren't charging him at this time. And I have a funny update in the National Archives case. That's the documents. Those are the documents Trump's trying to block from being handed over to the 1-6 committee. A reminder of where we are in that case. The Department of Justice, the White House and the House committee and the National Archives all agreed we should release the 1-6 documents from the National Archives to the committee investigating the insurrection. Trump then sued to block on uh, executive privilege, but also on legislative purpose and lost in a ruling by Judge Chutkin in the D.C. District Court. Then Trump asked for a temporary injunction while the court decides on his request for a more permanent injunction. The district court denied that, but the appellate court temporarily granted it while they consider whether to grant the permanent injunction for Trump on appeal. Well, last night, the appellate court asked both parties for briefings on jurisdiction, which is bad news for Trump. Let me read this for you and then I'll translate it. The, the order says, 
Quote, it is ordered on the court's own motion, so the court's doing this on their own, that the parties must be prepared to address the following questions at oral argument. First, does the provision in the Presidential Records Act providing that the archivist's determination as to whether access to a presidential record shall be restricted shall not be subject to judicial review except as provided in subsection E of the code, does that implicate this court's or the district court's decision in this case? And number two, if so, what effect, if any, do sections 2204B3 and 2204E have on the subject matter jurisdiction of the district court to adjudicate any of the requests listed in the complaint's claim for relief? Signed, Judges Millett, Wilkins, and Jackson. Those are the circuit judges. So what does this mean? Translate it for you. It says, hey, so the Presidential Records Act says that the archivist's decision is final and it's not subject to court review unless what the archivist decided violates Trump's rights or privileges. So we're going to need y'all to explain to us why this court has the ability to even decide your shit. <laughs> so let us know how Trump's rights or privileges have been violated, because if you can't, this shit shouldn't have even gone to the lower court. Okay, thanks. Bye. Signed the three judges. Millett and Wilkins are Obama appointees. Jackson is the brand new, it's, it's Katanji Brown Jackson. She was appointed by Biden recently. And she's fabulous. She is. And she's, she's probably the number one pick for a Supreme Court nominee by Biden if uh, one should become vacant. All my beans on a dismissal on jurisdictional grounds here. I assume Trump will appeal to SCOTUS, but I don't think they'll hear the case. No, I think you're right. I agree with your beans on this. All right. AG, I want to thank you for, for this last story. You're welcome. I wanted to serve this up for you. <laughs> Everyone because just settle in. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And today in You Can't Make This Shit Up or Irony is Dead. That's what we're filing this under. A Florida man. Now, when you start with a Florida man, you already know we've got comedy. Everyone, you already know we've got comedy when we start with a Florida man. But this is where it gets better. A Florida man, an actor playing Judas. In the musical, Jesus Christ Superstar has joined the list of Oath Keepers charged for participating in the U.S. Capitol riot on January 6th. So not only was Judas a traitor to Jesus, he's also a traitor to the entire country. (laughs) Now, James Beeks, who's 49, has been charged with obstruction of Congress and unlawful entering Capitol grounds. Now, this is the most recent charge coming from cooperation deals struck with members of the Oath Keepers who have already pleaded guilty, okay? So according to an Oath Keeper identified in court records as Defendant 4, who was cooperating with the investigation, Beeks approached the group of Oath Keepers as they walked to the Capitol and said he was a member. Prosecutors later discovered that Beeks had paid dues to the Oath Keepers organization two weeks before the attack. Okay, so he signed up for this. He's like, I want in on this shit. Here's my, here's, here's my money. Now, Beeks wore a helmet and a body camera. All right? That's what the defendant four said about him. And he carried a homemade shield that he claimed was bulletproof. (laughs) Okay, so this guy's in complete costume. Now, which he may have got from the props department of Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) (laughs) He's got like an old Roman shield. (laughs) Now, unlike other Oath Keepers who came to the Capitol clad in real body armor, Beeks was photographed wearing, ready, a Michael Jackson bad world tour jacket. Okay, apparently this guy regularly performs as a Michael Jackson impersonator, FBI agents noted in a court document. His YouTube page describes him as one of the top Michael Jackson tribute artists in the U.S. Hmm. Okay, so now we've got Judas, who sometimes moonlights as Michael Jackson. (laughs) 
who is now part of this insurrection. Once inside the building, the not-so-smooth criminal, if you will, yep, worked with a group of Oath Keepers attempting to break a line of police officers guarding a hallway in the Senate chamber. Now that's according to court documents. So federal investigators watched Beeks, who goes by the stage name. You ready? James T. Justice, without a T at the end. It's just James T. Justice. So they watched him at two traveling performances of the show in California this month to confirm his identity. They had the federal investigators, do you understand this, had to go watch two of his performances to make sure this guy is the guy they think he is before they arrested him on Tuesday. And they also matched photographs of Beeks' ear, ear at the Capitol, to a singing video he posted on YouTube. So uh, if anyone's curious, the next production of Jesus Christ Superstar began Tuesday, uh, the day Beeks was arrested, and he's no longer listed as part of the cast, so you're not going to be able to see him perform this year. I'm so sorry. B.I. is following up on the 30 pieces of silver and where that came from. I mean, one thing after another. Just comedy gold. Comedy silver. It is indeed. And some more good news today. Initial unemployment claims tumbled last week to their lowest point since 1969, the Labor Department reported Wednesday. New filings for state benefits totaled 199,000 on a seasonally adjusted basis, a decline of 71,000 from the previous week. This drop marks a milestone in the economy's recovery from the pandemic. Weekly claims peaked at more than 6 million in April at 2020. 6 million April 2020. As the coronavirus forced businesses and consumers alike to shut down. As recently as early January, a midwinter resurgences of the coronavirus, new state claims exceeded 900,000 in one week. And despite a summer lull, the economy has been showing signs of life. Employers added 531,000 jobs in October. They had to adjust an additional 600 and something thousand jobs for the last few months. And most economists expect growth to pick up after the final quarter of the year, boosted by healthy consumer spending. And uh, I think it was J.P. Morgan and Chase put out, they had, a, they had thought that fourth quarter growth was going to be at 3%. They've adjusted that. I think it's going to be, I think they said it's going to be more than twice that, 6.7%, I believe. I'll have to double check that. So don't quote me on that. But I know it's more than twice. So they've adjusted that too. Thanks, Biden. Or thanks, Brandon, if that's what you're into these days. Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Up next, I'll be discussing some one six stuff with a congressional reporter from The Guardian, Hugo Lowell. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. Pardon me getting personal, but are you getting enough? Uh, I'm sure you would love more if you're not, right? Well, our sponsor today, adamandeve.com, wants to give you more with 50% off just about any item they sell, plus free shipping on your entire order. You know, for more than 50 years, adamandeve.com has built a reputation as a trusted and reliable adult store that takes pleasure and privacy very seriously. And you know we're sex positive here. So when you want to shop erotic toys, Adam and Eve has it all. Men and women, straight or gay, anywhere in between, Adam and Eve has everything you're looking for for an amazing variety of erotic products. So what do you have to do to get your 50% off any one item with free shipping? It's not hard. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or some loungewear, anything you desire, and just enter offer code DAILYBEANS at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item. That's DAILYBEANS, all one word. Go check out adamandeve.com today, select one item, get 50% off, including free shipping when you enter the offer code DAILYBEANS. That's D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S at adamandeve.com. We've all heard about supply chain issues and delivery issues, so hurry up and order now. Don't wait. Shop now. Shop early and hurry while supplies last. And today's show is also brought to you by Calibrate. I've tried some really stupid weight loss fads in the past, but our sponsor today is not a diet or a quick fix product. 
It is a year-long commitment, lifestyle change, that gives you the tools to fight your biology. Traditional diets don't work because you can't fight your biology with willpower. Calibrate is different. It's comprehensive, it's doctor-guided, and it's a metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Calibrate is a fully integrated program combining classes and one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, which is really important, and community members, support from your community, plus medical care, including a video doctor visit. Calibrate works because they combine doctor-prescribed, FDA-approved medicines paired with lifestyle change to improve metabolic health. Before Calibrate, the pairing was only available in clinical and academic settings, but now you can easily fit Calibrate into your busy schedule. Your goals are personalized and tracked by doctors and coaches, and you can check in with the app as often or as little as you'd like. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. So get back in control with Calibrate. You get $50 off a one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code DAILYBEANS at joincalibrate.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Today, we are talking with the congressional reporter for The Guardian, Hugo Lowell. Hugo, hello. All right, thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for being here. I hope you're traveling safely. I know we're all sort of <laughs> moving chess pieces right now to try to get ready for the for the holiday, but I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, I finally made it through uh, traffic and uh, I'm now safely home, so thank you. <laughs> Good, I'm glad you made it. First thing I wanted to talk to you about, because a couple of tweets that you put out regarding a subpoena for Bernard Carrick, right? And, and you said that Trump has said he will allow Bernard Carrick to testify and provide documents to the January 6th committee. And then you said, but that was only after the panel erroneously subpoenaed him for info on Willard activities before the Capitol attack. Can you remind us who Bernard Carrick is? I think he's been pardoned by Trump and uh, what his role is here and and talk about the erroneous subpoena that happened. Yeah. So Carrick uh, was the former New York City police uh, commissioner. Uh, But in relation to Trump and his efforts to subvert the election, he was based uh, at the Willard for some time uh, as Giuliani's assistant. And he was helping find instances of so-called widespread voter fraud um, that the Willard legal team could then take to state legislators and, and then show them, look, there was widespread voter fraud. We have to recertify the election in favor of Trump and send alternate states of electors to Congress. So this was the the kind of the, the plan they were working around. Uh, the trouble is, Carrick wasn't actually at the Willard on January 5, or the night of January 5, when uh, the team at the Willard uh, kind of conferenced and huddled about their strategy for the joint session of Congress the next day. And despite that fact, and you know, we have sourcing and reporting to confirm that he was not there, the select committee uh, subpoenaed Carrick and in the subpoena wrote, well, you know, we have reason to believe that you are part of the war room conferencing and, you know, we'd like to depose you and request documents uh, about uh, those activities um, for our investigation. And the trouble was he was not there. So really, he could not provide that information, which is where Trump comes in Uh, early this morning. He sends out a statement and says, well, uh, I will allow Carrick to waive attorney-client privilege and testify before the select committee uh, about voter fraud, because that's the only thing he can testify about because he wasn't there on January 5. And, well, Trump's kind of trying to troll the committee a little bit here and uh, turn the investigation into a surface. Does Carrick have any valuable potential information about the insurrection? It's possible that he does. Uh, it's just not clear that he was he has information pertaining 
to the activities on January 5. So he's still a valuable witness, I think, for the committee. Um, you know, for instance, he, he, he was Giuliani's assistant. And you have to remember, Giuliani led the legal team uh, at, the, at the Willard um, across the road from the White House and was in constant communication with Trump in the days and weeks leading up to Jan 6. So if Giuliani knew something, it's good, you know, potentially good to assume that Kerry also knew something. Uh, and so maybe this is a way to uh, get to the inside of what the Willard crew were planning. And he also, he also billed uh, like $55,000 worth of uh, expenses that they incurred at the Willard uh, to the Trump campaign. So, um, you know, he was an insider. It's just that he was not there on January 5 uh, and will probably not know intimately what happened that night. But, I mean, just as a, a matter of fact here, uh, he doesn't really have executive privilege to waive it because isn't it true that if you, you can't really exert executive privileges for campaign activities and this was paid for by the Trump campaign? Is, is, am I correct on that? Okay, so Trump in his statement, and, and this is not, and it's just a bit of a mess here now. Trump in his statement said that he was waiving attorney-client privilege with Kerry. Ah, okay. It's not clear that, Kerrick was Trump's personal lawyer. And so if he wasn't his personal lawyer, then it would be then there would be no attorney-client privilege. If Trump, if he was Trump's personal lawyer, then maybe there is attorney-client privilege. But I don't know whether that, you know, if there was potential wrongdoing and activities at the Willard uh, were potentially unlawful, then attorney-client privilege would not shield him from that or from testifying about that. Right. Because of the crime fraud exception. Right. And and potentially third party exception, too. I mean, if anybody else knew about it or heard about their communications, that sort of waves that unless they were acting as a an agent for an attorney to Donald Trump. But, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. But, you, you know, you you suggest here because Trump suggests that the only thing he's really going to tell the committee is that there was, you know, election fraud in 2020. And and presumably, much like all of the other interviews, that's, except for the four officers that we saw in public testimony, these are going to be behind closed doors, right? Yeah. So Trump in the statement said, well, um, Carrick's lawyer has said the documents that the select committee has requested in the subpoena actually show, quote, significant indications or indicators of fraud in the presidential election scam, uh, but have remained hidden from the public. It is exactly what the unselect committee should be interested in. Um, which is all kind of nonsense anyway, but it kind of shows, I think, what Trump is now trying to do with the committee, right? He's demonized the committee. He said in court filings that it has no legislative purpose. Well, on the one hand, he's claiming that there's no legislative purpose, but on the other hand, he's now saying, well, if the committee uh, really wants to do an investigation, then they should look at the documents that Carrick has. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, it doesn't have a legitimate purpose, but then say, well, it does have a legitimate purpose insofar as Kerrick can show his documents about election fraud. So those arguments don't really dovetail together. Kerrick would would have been, well, was subpoenaed to testify behind closed doors. Trump says, well, uh, Kerrick will comply with the subpoenas if the testimony is at a hearing and is public. But that is not going to happen because the committee uh, is not inclined to have their uh, depositions turn into a media circus, uh, as Trump would like it to happen. So now both Alex Jones and Donald Trump have called for public hearings for certain folks. That's very interesting for, you know, a lot of 
a lot of folks want all these hearings to be public, you know, and I've sort of been pushing back a little bit saying, no, you don't want them public at first. And there's many, many reasons for that. And that's just one of them. Yeah. And I think you have to remember, like, all of these guys are very, very media savvy, right? They know how to co-op narratives. They know how to weaponize information. And it would be pretty bad for the committee if someone like, if someone like Bannon or someone like Carrick went before the committee in an open setting and just started talking about nonsense. And that is, I think, what they're prepared to do, right? You can have counsel ask pressing questions. If your witnesses then just respond about lies about a stolen election and start talking about the Arizona recount, they're going to talk about the Arizona recount. And if it's a public hearing for the Jan 6 committee, it's going to be carried live on cable, uh, probably in you know, prime time. I mean, that does not advance the committee's investigation, and it doesn't um, advance the public's understanding of what happened on January 6. So I'm fairly certain there's no way they would allow that. Yeah, no. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of another way that Trump could possibly use this by saying that Carrick has documents and he's going to go and he's waived privilege and he'll be there. Then now Trump can say that the committee has documents proving 2020 election fraud without them being released to the public. Nobody would know. And he'd be able to say, you know, he'd be able to sort of whip that up by, you know, saying, oh, they have them, but, you know, they won't let you see them. They don't want you to see them. I, I can I, I feel that that's coming, too. That's entirely possible. And, and I think he was going to do that anyway. Yeah. Like, I think Trump's the kind of guy that would just send in documents and be like, oh, I voluntarily, you know, cooperated with the select with the unselect committee's investigation and try and spin it that way. I don't think it's going to work. Mm. You know, everyone knows that the select committee's investigation, A, is legitimate. I mean, it's been proven and repeated in court filings. Uh, the National Archives has said that's the case. The White House and the Biden administration has said that's the case. Um, and we will find out in the appeals court if uh, the district court ruling uh, to release the National Archives documents uh, pertaining to the Trump White House stands and whether they, too, think that the committee has a legislative vote. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a question about the appeals court and a couple other subpoenas, but I have to take a break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the beans. I know most healthy snacks aren't very good. They have a bad reputation, and that's because they can taste like cardboard. And they have fake sugars and sweeteners with weird aftertastes. Uh, well, I've got a recommendation if you're looking for a healthy snack that's delicious and satisfying and wholesome. It's Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars. They taste amazing and they contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories each. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO. They don't have any soy, trans fats, sugar alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. And you don't have to be keto to love these. They are keto-friendly, but you know, I'm paleo. And I've been trying to just eat better. And the Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars have helped a lot because I can keep them around the house. I can get a subscription. They're a healthy snack that's always there for me to rely on. And they're filling and satisfying. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. Uh, my favorite today is peanut butter. It changes, but I love the chewy texture and the peanut butter is so delicious. And there's no high intensity sweeteners, no weird aftertastes or textures. So try it for yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for you. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like what you got, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you want. And so to get started, just go to monkpack, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, select any product, enter code DAILYBEANS at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. And today's show is also brought to you by AG. Not me, but Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition very simple and convenient. 
So whether it's stress, poor sleep, a hectic schedule, for me, it's intermittent fasting and I'm perimenopausal. All of that makes it difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and provide our bodies with the nutrients they need to flourish. But AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category-leading superfood product that brings comprehensive, convenient daily nutrition to everybody. It helps fill the gaps in your diet. One tasty scoop of AG1 has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients like a multivitamin, a multimineral, a probiotic, a greens superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving that tastes amazing. A special blend of high-quality, bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill those gaps in the diet, and they support energy and focus, and they aid with gut health and digestion. That's that probiotic piece. And it supports a healthy immune system, which is really important over the holidays and as we're hunkering down in the winter months. And this effectively replaces multiple products or pills with one healthy, delicious drink. It's lifestyle-friendly too, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And it has less than one gram of sugar. It's got no GMOs and no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it keeps it tasting great. My favorite thing about it is that research has changed and so has AG1. Most nutritional stuff that comes on the market, it never evolves, it never changes. But Athletic Greens continues to obsess and improve AG1 based on the latest research. They have produced 53 improvements over the last decade, actually, and it's still counting. I highly recommend you give it a try. And to make it easy, uh, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the congressional reporter for The Guardian, Hugo Lowell. Before the break, you mentioned the National Archives court battle that's going on, quote unquote, court battle, because everyone's on the same side except for the former president who doesn't have any executive privilege. But recently, uh, I think last night, the appellate court, the three judge appellate court had asked the both of the parties, hey, you need to tell us why this is even our jurisdiction, because the Presidential Records Act said that the archivist's call is final and is not subject to our review, not subject to judicial review. And the only exemption is, is if Trump's rights and privileges are being violated. So you're going to have to explain that to us, why we even have jurisdiction here. And that that sort of plays badly for for Trump here, for for his side, this, you know, the party seeking relief, because now he's got to say why they have jurisdiction to make this call. And the archivist who is in concert with the House and then the one six committee, Doug Letter at the House and the Department of Justice and the, the executive branch, the White House. Everyone's like, yeah, we all agree. You're the only one. So now, like, it's sort of on him to explain this to the appellate court. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. So I think they scheduled oral arguments for November 30 and uh, the D.C. Circuit notified kind of lawyers for Trump and, and the select committee in the National Archives that, um, you know, one of the questions that they need to be prepared to address is whether, right, as you said, the court even has, you know, the legal authority to hear the dispute. I mean, these courts are really, you know, really protective of their jurisdictions and where they and uh, where they extend to. Um, and, you know, this is a bad sign for Trump, I think. You know, Trump's going to have to show conclusively that the Jan 6 committee does not have a legislative purpose when the organizing resolution for the Jan 6 committee sustains a legislative purpose. And the whole the whole point of this is so we can draft laws to prevent an instance like January 6th from ever happening again. And so even if you're looking at the merits of the argument, you have a problem. But then if the appeals court then turns around and says, well, this is not even our thing, this, you know, the DC court ruling should stand um, on a procedural level, then Trump, I think, has nowhere left to turn. 
and the National Archives may well be turning over his records and his chief of staff's records maybe as soon as the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine he can ask an emergency stay from the Supreme Court. I don't think the Supreme Court hear the, will hear the case because it's no longer on the merits. It's on jurisdictional grounds at that point. But, you know, if that's what they decide to do. But, you know, I guess I guess we'll see. And then well, I should just say, well, I should just say that that is exactly what they wanted. I mean, from the outset, I mean, speaking to lawyers in Trump's orbit and people um, you know, talking to Trump about the case, their entire plan was from the beginning was to delay it as long as they can and send it to the Supreme Court. So yeah. that's probably exactly what they would do. But as you say, whether or not they hear the case is a separate matter. Yeah, and they may even go on bonk, even though it would uh, they have it has no chance in in the DC Circuit Court. But it will delay it a little bit longer as well, if they you know just to file it and to be told no, and then have to go right. to the Supreme Court. But you know, it depends on how long that administrative stay lasts and what they you know what they decide on November thirtieth. They might say the stay is over, or you know the stay and you have got uh, a few days. Uh, we'll extend the administrative stay for the injunction while you go ahead and ask the Supreme Court if you can have a better one. But um, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it seems like he's running out of time. And like you said, even though even the merits of the case, the, the committee has begun to work on updating or shoring up the Electoral Count Act, you know, and the ministerial role that the vice president plays and those types of legislative things. They're already working on those things. I thought it was I thought it was really interesting that those stories came out that the committee was working on those pieces of legislation the same weekend that Trump filed the lawsuit against National Archives. But right. I was like, oh, look, they've just established a legislative purpose in case you were. But they had been for a while. But now the story came out. A couple other questions on some of these other subpoenas. We know that they had subpoenaed some leaders of the far right Proud Boys and Oath Keepers militia groups as you tweeted, directly focusing for the first time on the instigators of the violence at the Capitol attack. And uh, what, what? because uh, you, you had a piece here in, in The Guardian, what was your takeaway from shifting from like, you know, the, the legal folks to the, to the actual leaders of the violence? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a shifting so much as extending another parallel Adding, track, yeah. right, of the investigation. So the committee has multiple lines of inquiry open. I mean, they have the gold team uh, that that I reported pretty extensively on um, that is investigating Trump's personal role uh, in the insurrection. They also have like the red team that is investigating uh, the crowd and uh, the, the, the riot itself. And they have the green team that's looking at the money. So this is really getting at, you know, the people who are actually storming the Capitol. And I went back to a couple of members on the committee and a couple of the professional staff on the committee. And the aim appears to be to, depose these members of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and, uh, the, you know, and, and the First Amendment Praetorian, these kind of far-right militia groups, and see what their contacts and their connections to A, the Willard group, but B, the Trump White House, and C, the Trump campaign. They're trying to effectively, I think, try and, trying to find the wider picture and seeing where all the, the, the tangled web of contacts extend. and. You know, for instance, if there was contact between the White House and the leader of a far-right group, that would be very, very damning in, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But if it then emerged that the extent of that contact was to coordinate movements on January 6th, that could be potential for a crime. Yeah. And then, and then we think about also connecting the dots with 
the previous group of subpoenas that went out to the organizers and the funders of the rally, right? Like we've got the Stocktons and Jennifer Lawrence, not that Jennifer Lawrence, and uh, Amy Kramer, Kylie Kramer, um, those text messages that got leaked to Rolling Stone and, you know, all the friendly subpoenas that, that, that have kind of been thrown out when I say thrown out, like uh, issued, not, mm-hmm. not trashed in, in with that group. And so I think, yeah, I think what uh, it seems like they're doing is exactly what you said, a parallel track to find any, and if there are and what connections there were between the Willard, the White House, the funders and organizers of both Stop the Steal and the Ellipse, because those seem to be two different, almost warring factions right, right now. Right. And then, of course, the leaders of the Proud Boys on the ground. And then you've got sort of these linchpins, Alex Jones, Bannon, Roger Stone. And and where are all those, you know, like connect the dots. It's just a big, a, a big game of I just I envision a murder board like from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I you know I don't know if they have a murder board. So the, the select committee is uh, holed up in a a nondescript house office building um, just off Capitol Hill. Uh, and the the office space they're working out of has glass windows, and they've actually boarded up the windows uh, with kind of um, looks like kind of brown paper from the inside, so no one can look in. And it, 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 they're very very secretive about this, and there's no way you you would be able to. And they have you know ID card scanners on the door, so it's all very uh, secret and clandestine. But yeah, and, and there's there's a couple of other points I think with these subpoenas that are worth mentioning. So in the subpoena letters uh, that came out uh, yesterday. Thompson noted, for instance, that the, uh, I think it was the First Amendment Praetorian members have body cams and they wear body cams for all of their engagements. Um, so that would be interesting. I think the, the fact that he mentioned this, you know, might suggest that the committee is angling to get the recordings from those body cameras. We don't get the document and, you know, material schedule uh, that the committee is requesting from these members. We just get the letters. But the fact that he mentioned this, you know, makes me think that that is what they're angling for because if they have body cameras turned on so they they can they themselves can do off-fraction reports, then, you know, it's sufficient for the committee to do an off-fraction report. And the other thing that the, uh, that Thompson noted in the subpoena letters was how Alex Jones and Roger Stone were invited to um, lead, the, lead the march from the rally at the Ellipse up to the Capitol. But they never showed up. They never showed up to the rally. They never showed up to the Capitol. Uh, they never showed up for a march. And that is interesting. You know, you're invited by <laughs> your own people, uh, but you curiously decide not to show up at the last minute and go nowhere near the Capitol for unknown reasons. Well, it's very dangerous, Hugo. It was, it was going to be very dangerous. <laughs> it was going to be a wild protest. Um, <laughs> All hell was going to break loose. I wouldn't go, you know. So, you know, if you were Roger <laughs> If Stone, I had advanced yeah, knowledge. Exactly. Well, I think, and this is like... I might wear body armor. <laughs> maybe, you know? maybe. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I think this is obviously where they're going with this. They're saying, you know, if you were invited and you otherwise appeared inclined to go, why would you suddenly decide not to go? As as Bannon says on his podcast, you know, it's going to be a wild day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also hoping that the uh, inspector general is going to or has made some sort of referral to Merrick Garland about at least the former DOJ officials uh, and what was going on there. I, again, don't know what sort of crimes could be referred or if uh, it'll just be a report. But I should mention that the inspector general can do criminal investigations. They absolutely can. And it is 
a 1001 charge to lie to an inspector general investigator, whether you're having a criminal investigation or just an administrative investigation done. So we should keep that in mind. And also don't expect the IG report to come out. (laughs) I expect in order to possibly preserve potential future criminal investigations and evidence and not to tip off targets and, and subjects that that will just be kept under wraps. It will just be handed over secretly to Merrick Garland, which is why I don't know whether it's been handed off or not, but it has been going on since January 25th. That's a long time for an inspector general investigation. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that the DOJ typically operates this way and the FBI typically operates this way. They don't like to discuss investigations um, because you know they can be used, as you say, in future criminal prosecutions. When the uh, former uh, attorney, uh, U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia before he left, Michael Schoen, uh, he gave an interview to 60 Minutes and you know, talked openly about the investigation, which then allowed defendants uh, in the Capitol uh, riot investigation to then use his comments to say, oh, you know, this is a politi- politically motivated uh, prosecution um, in, in their defense filings. And this is exactly what they're worried about. And this is why a lot of the, the thinking and the reports are not made public. So I know people uh, like to like like to see evidence. They want to see evidence that investigations are continuing, but typically they're done in secret for a reason. I thought that was a little fishy. I was like, is, is Sherwin just dumb? <laughs> was this on purpose? Like, uh, I thought that was just weird. But yeah, definitely uh, all, all speculation. But, you know, that's kind of what I do. I appreciate your time. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday, Hugo. And everybody, you need to follow at Hugo Lowell on Twitter and the social media. And uh, you are a congressional reporter for The Guardian. I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. I hope you have a great holiday as well. Thanks. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this Helping of the Podcast is brought to you by Lettuce Grow. Growing your own food doesn't have to be difficult. It can also help reduce waste and water, which is good for the environment. And Lettuce Grow is here to help with a hydroponic garden that can help you grow fruits and veggies at home. No green thumb required. I do not have one. And I can attest this thing is so awesome and easy to use. Lettuce Grow is here to help with a hydroponic garden that can help you easily grow fruits and veggies. No green thumb. And you've seen the Lettuce Grow farm stand all over social media. I know you have. It's self-watering, self-fertilizing. It's hydroponic. It allows you to grow your own farm fresh produce at home. They have over 200 varieties of fruits and veggies, including edible flowers, which are really great for cocktails over the holidays. They have tomatoes, strawberries, even eggplant. And with only five minutes of maintenance a week, five minutes a week, you can grow up to 36 plants at once. You get pre-grown seedlings that are non-GMO, never exposed to chemicals or additives, and are ready to harvest in just four to six weeks. And the farm stand uses 95% less water than traditional gardening, and there's no waste, and it only takes up four square feet of space, indoors or outdoors. It's made of food-grade, environmentally friendly materials, and for every 10 sold, they donate one to a school or nonprofit organization. So go to lettucegrow.com beans to shop the farm stand, and be sure to use our promo code BEANS at checkout, and that'll get you $50 off the farm stand. It has a 90-day guarantee, and there's a less than 1% return rate. I love mine. That's $50 off the farm stand at lettucegrow, L-E-T-T-U-C-E, grow.com slash beans. And thanks to Lettuce Grow for sponsoring the show. And today's show is also brought to you by Manscaped. I have a gift recommendation for the holidays for people who have balls. Uh, the leading men's jean brand, Manscaped, just launched new products that your guy will actually use, including their new ultra-premium body wash. They have a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, keeping it simple. And it's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com. Use code DAILYBEANS, all one word, for 20% off and free shipping. A lot of folks don't realize they need to manscape. Uh, And this might just be a nice gentle hint. The Performance Package 4.0 
which is a great gift, includes the signature lawnmower, they call it 4.0. It's an electric trimmer. It has proprietary advanced skin safe technology and it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower. It also has a crop preserver and crop reviver, an anti-chafing deodorant, moisturizer and toner. And Manscaped is going beyond the crotch with their new ultra premium body wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep the skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. And it smells good. I guarantee you're going to want to use the body wash too. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So get your man, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. And you get 20% off and free shipping with code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at Manscaped. Past tense. Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code DAILYBEANS. Get your man the gift you'll both enjoy. Manscaped. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news or confessions or corrections or anything you want to submit to us, photos from Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas, pet to photos. If you want to share a pet that's adoptable from a local shelter, you can do that too. You can do it all by going to dailybeanspod.com. And clicking on contact, uh, Dana, I'm going to kick us off with Vicky here. And she's got no pronouns given. She says, things I'm thankful for. This year, I'm especially thankful for my beautiful daughter-in-law. Not only is she a loving and supportive partner to my son, but a wonderful mom and stepmom. This year, she insisted on preparing all of the sides for Thanksgiving dinner. She's been working on her cooking skills for months. She is so excited about every holiday because she grew up never celebrating any. And her excitement is infectious. I love her dearly. Attached is their Halloween pick, my grandkids and a friend's daughter in the front. The ghoul on the porch is my son. Which is fantastic. This picture's great. Oh my gosh. I like the invisible man. I love seeing posts appreciating new family members. You know what I mean? Because your kids, I'm assuming, you know, are the most, they're their pride and joy. So when someone comes into the, your, their life and you can actually tout them and adore them. And you're so happy. Like, I love that. And I love that people say it out loud. I think people need to hear that more often. Yes. Thank you for kicking us off with that. Beautiful. All right. This next one's from Anne-Marie, pronouns she and her. In October, I had my own one-year checkup following cancer surgery. There is no sign of cancer. Wonderful. My crazy mm -hmm. little dog provides for joy and laughter. Yesterday, I found where I put my favorite mask. The mask is comfortable, protective, and if adjusted correctly, doesn't fog up my glasses. Also something to be thankful for. This is a good thing since my country just implemented an indoor mask mandate. Oh, or county, county, county. Oh, county. Yep. <laughs> I was like, what country is she living? Well, yeah. What uh, is yeah. that? I want to go. Oh my God. This <laughs> I know. So the county did. You know what? I still, I'll still go there. I also want to thank the Meals on Wheels volunteers who will be dropping off Thanksgiving dinner for my mother and me. Here's my boy, Joey. Oh, <gasps> Joey has some personality. Look at that oh. little wiry hair, sweet man. The ears. It's like a terrier Chinese crusted mix. What oh my a honey. God, that's getting satellite cable on those things. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, so cute. Thank you for that. I appreciate that submission, Anne-Marie. And I hope you have a great holiday. Next up from Debbie, pronouns she and her. I've been given the opportunity to drive my eldest granddaughter, she's 30 and lives in Indiana and has five kids, to her radiation appointments at MD Anderson. And she moved in with me for the six weeks of her treatment of glioblastoma. Good news. So far, no sign of reoccurrence. Her attitude is super positive. And my son is bringing her kids to have Thanksgiving with us. Photo is Halloween with her kids and a cousin. Fantastic. 
<gasps> look at look at the Oh my god, I love it. These costumes are great. Thank you for that. More good news. I love this. This next one's from Steve. Pronounce he him. Love you, ladies. My good news is my mother-in-law got her student loans forgiven via the public service loan forgiveness program. <sighs> yes, it's working. Finally, who's my wife and I are therefore hopefully only a few years away from that ourselves. Like AG, we both have or are getting our PhDs because we're nuts. <laughs> Thanks, Biden. No, really. Thanks, Biden. Now attached are pics of our doggy, Bonnie, who you once called a chunky beagle, <laughs> Allison, and which we have continued to lovingly call her, of course. Other names for her, Monster, Bonster, Bonnie Monster, <laughs> Beast, etc. Also attached is Ma, the kitty, the ruler, of the domain. Huzzah. Look at these babies. Oh, yep. Oh, Tuxy and the Chunky Beagle. <laughs> that should definitely be a child's book. Tuxy and the Chunky be- Beagle. Oh, yeah. They should solve crimes, pet crimes. Together. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And we're on to something. And the Chunky Beagle is like the older one who's sick of the shit, you know? Yeah. Or he comes up with all of the like, he figures out the, the crimes, but he's he can't move fast enough to arrest the culprit. So the cat has yeah. to go in and do it. Yeah, cat cuffs there you with go. K's. Yeah, I love it. All right. All right. I think we need to start on that. Script. Someone's already started it, by the way. Someone yeah. listening has already copywritten this <laughs> and started the first book. Totally. Next up from Sharon, pronoun she and her. Big Thanksgiving, O Leguminate members. I'm recovering from a successful heart transplant. Holy smokes. Bless this donor. Bless my friends and family. And bless you, dear beanies, and all those on your other sites. I was so weak in these last years, and yet our country suffered so much. Your podcast connected me to others who felt alone and burdened. You relieved so much stress, and I think in doing so helped me hold on longer. I will send pet taxes another time, kind of busy with all kinds of training. Bless you, bless you, bless you all. Sharon. Aaron, I am so happy for you. Oh, that one got me. I, yeah, I know. I know, my friend. I'm hugging you over the interwebs. Interwebs? I don't know what I just said, but I'm hugging you. Thank you. Yeah. Sharon, thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. I love it. This next submission is from Kaylin. K period Lynn. Kaylin. She and her pronouns. Hello, wonderful ladies and the rest. Sorry for the odd threads of subjects in this email. I know it's more like a string of consciousness, but hold on to the end because there are some fun bits. First off, you ask for what people are thankful for. And here are some of mine. I'm thankful I found the MSW back in the kitchen days because it helped me stay sane. And I'm thankful for my family who has been willing to deal with me during my medical issues. I have some form of chronic fatigue syndrome, but the doctors are unsure what's causing it. I've been sick for about two years now. I keep hoping that the next doctor will find the missing puzzle piece, which could explain what is causing my chronic fatigue. I'm thankful I found embroidery in July of this year because it's something I can do while I'm in the many doctors waiting rooms or in the car pickup line for my eldest son, who's in third grade. Mm. I mostly do kits because everything is supplied in the kit, and I don't have to think about what floss color to use or what embroidery stitch would look best. My eldest is really into ants, the small bugs you find outside, (laughs) not, yeah. But there are no embroidery kits that showcase ants in them. So I did a freeform embroidery design for him for a leaf cutter ant, a leaf cutter ant for for Christmas, and I included a photo of it. I also included a photo of my two boys. Now, second, here is a shit kid say, my youngest. He is three. He's very close to my dad. And one time while we were in the car, he kept asking for Grandpa Doug. I asked him if he want me to call his grandpa. He yelled at the top of his lungs, yes, Grandpa Doug. 
I called my dad using my car's Bluetooth. Once my dad picked up, my son went silent. I talked to my dad for a bit, and then from the back of the car, I hear from the youngest, Grandpa, you're not dead. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) stop laughing. I almost got into an accident. Oh, my God. So here is one sentence, random factoid. The male monotreme? Mm-hmm, the echidna. Thank mm-hmm. you. The male monotreme, the echidna, has a four-headed, has a four-headed penis. Fourth. That's just some random shit, people. I'm telling you it's right in there. This is the fourth thing in the, in the, in the <laughs> submission. Some good news. Here in the deep state of Texas, I found this billboard not that far from my house. Here is what it says. Trump lost. No more audits. And it's huge. Thank you. I love this community. And in case no one has said it yet today, you are loved, you are awesome, and your soul is beautiful. I highly recommend, Kay Lynn, that you listen to the song Mammal by They Might Be Giants, and you'll learn a lot about monotremes and echidnas. Okay. I know this is a piece of art, but there's a spider in one of these pictures. Or, oh, it's an ant. It's an ant. Okay. I feel better. It's an ant. It's a very <laughs> good cutter ant. It is a very yes. good ant. Okay. I had a moment. Yeah, no. That was re- that's really beautiful, actually. That embroidery is gorgeous. No, yeah. Look at that pretty. log it's on. Or I'm sure it's a stick. It's pretty. Yeah. I love the green. Very nice. Yeah, thank Leaf you. Cutter ants are cool too, by the way. And you want to keep that four-headed penis away from me, I'd appreciate it. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from the monotremes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> why I'm trying, now I have to find out like why nature did that yeah right maybe they got really bad aim and they're just trying to help it out it's like a sprinkler <laughs> next like one of those <laughs> those lawn sprinklers with yes. the, it was like a a guy's head with the hoses that came out and they went all oh haywire my God. I think it was called a wet willy all right, next up from Anonymous, and finally, from uh, this is our last submission from Pronoun She and Her. Hey, AG and Dana, first off and foremost, I want to say thank you. You both honestly helped me get through my days, and lately, my days seem a little harder. I'm in public health and maternal health nurse, and our department has been working very hard and long hours to get vaccines out to as many adults and now kids as we can. We drive all over to bring the vaccines to people, companies, and schools. We work overtime to make getting the vaccines more accessible for everyone. There's so much more work that goes into it than just giving shots from organizing, coordinating data entry. And our team is fucking rock stars at it. We are more than happy to to push through and keep going even when we're so tired, even when we have to fight back against misinformation and hateful rhetoric. We push through. So I am grateful, however, lately that there are days I I just start crying and can't stop. I, I, I think it might be everything we all carry on our shoulders these days from the toxic political climate to the ongoing COVID crisis and trying to help as many moms as I can for several different reasons. But I believe with all my heart, women need to support each other as much as we can. I also get exhausted from so much rage for Trump and his horrendous response to this pandemic and the misinformation that helped create it that has led to so many unnecessary deaths and made our jobs as healthcare workers so much harder. But listening to you explain what's going on, what we can expect or wait for truly brings me some peace. The laughter, the swearing, the expertise on your shows brings me great comfort, and I look forward to listening every morning before I head out for my day. I do have a wonderful and healthy family that also helps get me through, although I probably shouldn't encourage my five-year-old to use the word fuck as much as I enjoy hearing it on your show, (laughs) especially when describing the hellscape that is now the Republican Party. All descriptions of them should begin with shady evil fuckers, and that childishly makes me giddy and satisfied for a bit, which is one reason I adore your show. 
So thank you, ladies, truly. We will get through this time in history, I know, but you ladies absolutely make it easier and helpful to me. Have a wonderful holiday season. Keep up the great work. And until the day we can celebrate the arrest of that evil orange con man, let's keep taking care of each other. Look how sweet this picture is of that gorgeous dog on this adorable woman cuddling. Doggo. It looks like velvety soft. Oh, your family family. is gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. Look at kid. I love it. That kid's got (laughs) personality. Do it the horns. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Rock on, kid. Oh, my God. What a just absolutely beautiful. Now, where'd that curly hair come from? I got to know. Right? That's such a great head of hair on. That's like C. Thomas Howell hair in Can't Buy Me Love. I absolutely love it. So cute. So cute. Thank you. Such good news on this Thanksgiving day. Yes. Thank you for sending it all in. We really appreciate it. And thank you all so much. Dana? Yes. Do you have any final thoughts? I do. I know. As you listen to this podcast, I am one of these people that believes that our words have energy. And so at some point today, if it's by yourself, it's if it's to people that you love, I want you to say out loud the things you're thankful for. It's been a very long year, a very hard year. And I know some of you are in different circumstances than others. And sometimes it's hard to find that gratitude and things you're thankful for because everything seems so fucking hard. There's something, there's one thing you can find. And I ask you to say it out loud, put that energy out into the world, because if enough people do it, that butterfly effect of consciousness and energy changes things. So put out some goodness today, put out some gratitude. Allison, I'm grateful for you. I am grateful for this opportunity with you that I get to reach people every day with the beans that I'm here. I'm grateful for my mother's health, my family's health. I am grateful for the people I get to spend my days with and that I'm healthy enough and strong enough right now to physically do the things that bring me joy. And so those are some of the things I'm grateful for. And my last words for Thanksgiving Day. Nice. Thank you very much. Ah, that's that's good. Don Pardo would be proud. Don't challenge me with last words. I'll take them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also very thankful for you and uh, my family, my real fam. They're all amazing. My chosen fam, also amazing. I can't even really call my chosen fam my chosen fam because that sort of insinuates that you don't like your regular fam, but I totally do. I love them. And so they're they're both great. And I get to spend I get to spend Thanksgiving with with my friends and I get to spend Christmas with because I celebrate Christmas, but not the Jesus kind of Christmas, just sort of the commercial. Oh, honey, I celebrate Christmas. Christmas, too, even as a Jewy person with my um, with my family. So it's. I, I just appreciate everybody like giving us the space to take the time and yeah. And I'm very thankful for everybody in my life who supported me. It's been a really hard few years and this last year has been pretty transformative and I couldn't have done it alone. Yeah. It took my family, my friends, you, this community and everybody sort of lifting us all up at Good. once to get things done. My dear friend, I do have one more thing to say, <laughs> not to one up or not to end it with my voice. As you enjoy your food, I would love if you would take a moment. It comes from a place we forget where our food comes from, from the people that plant it to the people that harvest it to the people that get it to the grocery stores. Just some gratitude. I'm not saying you need to pray before you eat. Just some thankfulness out there for everything you have in front of you. And, and, and this is a big one, for the land you stand on. Mm -hmm. That is a way that you can honor this holiday that still exists is to honor the land you stand on, all of us are on stolen land. 
And so to say thank you for the place that we can actually be is a small gesture of gratitude you can put out during this day. That's such a good point. Thank you, Dana. And thanks to all of you. We will have a show tomorrow. It's, uh, we got a couple of great interviews with Jose Munoz and Dana Almond, and, and you, you don't want to miss it. So you will not be without your beans on Friday, on Black Friday. So thank you very much, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I've been Allison Gill. And I have been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.